along with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good. What do they see, what do they see me? I am Ron Cohen, your host, the gatekeeping realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. You'll get your pot, don't worry. Right, right here on Parax, Tojinet, uh, Planet Paranormal. And the new one. And the new one. I don't know that one. Well, you, were, you put it on Facebook yesterday. No, I put it on your message. I didn't really All know. All right, then. Well, that, that was you know, wherever we are. Nice shot. Yeah, whatever. Anyways, yeah. this is Ghost Chronicles International, and the voice across the pond there is the Mr. Parsons. Good. Never can keep quiet. Allow me to do my proper introduction. <laughs> I'm just saving the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> go on. Carry on. Can go on a bit. Yeah, so, um, gossip. Gossip? Have we is got the gossip? to do with the goat hunter? No, oh, that was hilarious. Did you see that? that I did. It was, I did. It was done by. It's actually. Um, oh, it's a job, guy. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, it's a guy who does spoof stuff. Um, he's an artist up in Edinburgh, uh, yeah. but it was just brilliantly uh, executed. Oh, it was. It was awesome. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, and most people do. don't. Neither do we. Check out our Facebook pages. Um, right. So, uh, yeah, you're off. You're off. On, you're retreating, aren't you? Shortly. Yeah, but you know, more importantly, I got to see one of uh, your fellow countrymen, uh, Mr. Carson's from Downton Abbey. He's. Uh, uh, is this the guy with the drink problem? Where'd that come from? <laughs> Facebook. Yeah. I know. My God. I've Whatever. no idea. I, I mean, I, you know. Nicest hey, guy I, in the world. Seriously, great sense of humor. I mean, definitely a good mate. You you would love him. He's a great bloke, and uh, you know we would <laughs> hang out together without a problem. Of course, yeah. you have a drink from too. Come right, think about it. Yeah, so we definitely would hang out without a problem. Why is it and all it, your co? Why is it both your co-hosts have drinking problems? Yeah, everybody has drinking problems. Associated Only with. your co-hosts. Well, everybody associated with me, really. So, yeah, so apart from the fact that you went to see a real live living Englishman... Um, yeah, but before I get to that, I mean, his, his cause, i got to talk about his cause a little bit, which was Wandaid, W-A-N-D-A-I-T, which is really, really cool. Uh, it's They raise money like Band-Aid, but uh, through magicians. And uh, that's hence Wandaid. And I found out that Mr. Carson was a magician, which was amazing. In itself, and all this money goes to the uh, quake victims in Nepal, and they've done other ones as well. And uh, it's it's uh, it's a fantastic, uh, you know, charity. And I was really happy to be, you know, part of it. So it was cool. Would you like to give out the details? I have none. <laughs> <laughs> so if you Google one day W A N D A I D, you know, I, I could be a little bit more prepared, but that would yeah, you know, that would yeah. You, you... And now an appeal, a charity's appeal on behalf of Wandaid by Ron, who doesn't go. know where to send the money to. Yeah, just send it to Wandaid. Google Wandaid and give him lots of money. There you go. So, did you like your hat? 
Oh, he loved the hat. That was the coolest thing. You know, uh, my wife didn't want me to wear it. So, you know, I kind of like, oh, I forgot to take it off, honey. So when I met him, you know, he looked at it and he says, like you're hot. There you go. Told you yeah. coming I didn't even know, you know, I wanted to see if it was a true Englishman or not. Because what we're talking about, most people don't know what we're talking about, is uh, last time you were here, actually two times ago you were here, you gave me a uh, special hat. And uh, why don't you tell them what it was? Yeah, it's got a propeller on it, hasn't it? Uh, no, no. It <laughs> isn't it the RNLI one? The yes, Royal National Lifeboat Institution um, baseball cap. So I, yeah, I, I, I've never actually... I don't think anybody's ever seen you without a cap on or a hat on. No. Uh, I, I think even your wife, um, the lovely St. Jan. No. I mean, I know she it's, clicked like... because they have a little alien that lives over, over there, you know? Yeah. Why well, is that just covering the tinfoil cap that's beneath it? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know the, uh, the the amazing thing about that that hat is is not only met Mr. Carson's, but it also was with the, with me when I judged the uh, Miss Unir, uh, Miss America uh, portion, the Miss Portsmouth portion of the Miss America thing. So I don't want to talk about that before we that, bring our guest in. Has- I want I want to find out. We have none of that sexist Miss America stuff. I want to find out. Um, because I know you're going to do a big scoop tomorrow on Ghost Chronicles, the next generation, because we're not worthy. Um, but you have just acquired some cursed items. Oh, actually, you know, I was amazed at the amount of uh, flub-a-dub over it because I, I, I get those all the time. People, you know, will send me stuff or I rescue stuff or whatever. And uh, so it was no big deal to me, but I... You know, everybody want to know about it. So tomorrow in Ghost Chronicles Next Generation, I will talk about uh, how I obtained these items. And, you know, so it's, it's like going to be... Like John's office, then. No, yeah, well, I mean, John's been doing it, but I've been doing it as long as John has. Yeah, but you well, don't pick... Maybe see, you notice, though, when John does it, he always picks the good stuff. Mm-hmm. He always rescues the valuable antiques. That just yeah, to the be diamonds hard. and the, the yeah. silver. And, yeah. yeah. Anyway, speaking of diamonds and silver, we have a diamond on with us tonight. Um, we do. A fellow investigator from the land of the Welsh dragon and a group. I, 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 I suppose I was supposed to be patron of, but I just checked the patrons page and I'm not on it, so maybe <laughs> they, maybe they've thrown me off again. Um, but we're, we're joined by from South Wales Paranormal Research, um, Sarah Linney. Hello. Hi, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for inviting me. It's an absolute pleasure, and thanks for inviting me to Caldicott in, is it, about five weeks? Yes, yeah, we're right. all looking forward to that. Yeah, provided you put me back on the patrons page again. Well, we're actually in the process of upgrading our website. <laughs> So you know, um, wait a minute, you know how many times I've heard that? Uh, ask me, can you give me a website link? Well, we're actually upgrading it. Yeah, we're actually yeah, upgrading yeah. it. Has actually, anybody got a freaking Steve website that's, that's good? <laughs> so Steve very much is a very valued patron of ours who came on board last year. Um, and we do have to add him to our website. We have been remiss where we haven't had chance. We're in the process of recruiting um, a new member onto the executive team who can look after our website for us. That's what we all need. Um, executive teams, I love it. No, we all need somebody on the executive team to look after the website. Parasite, no, same position. Yeah. Other than St. So, so, shut up a minute, Rob. 
So, <laughs> or, we'll, or we'll switch to doing it with a Welsh lint to the, uh, to the rest of the show, so you will know what we're talking about. Oh, you cheeky grok. Yes, am I coming across very Welsh? <laughs> yeah, we'll come across very Welsh for the rest of the show. Just oh, that's right. That way Ron, Ron won't have an idea what we're talking People about. People won't know what the hell you're saying, but they're all be drooling. Oh, they're nothing. speaking a foreign language. Oh, it's not that quaint. <laughs> yeah, like the New England They accent. must be smart because they can speak English, yeah. Hey, I can speak three languages, English, Welsh and Scouse. There you go. Like Derek can. So, um, Sarah, um, I know, obviously, about South Wales paranormal research. You're a little bit further down the M4. You're on the opposite side of Wales to me because I'm on the west coast and you're on the eastern borders, so nearly, so to speak. So tell us a little bit about SWPR, what they do and why they do it and how long they've been doing it for. Okay. um, We're SWPR, South Wales Paranormal Research. Um, we were formed in 2003. Um, the group was actually set up by Dylan Jones, who I know Steve knows Dylan very well, and a gentleman called Steve Kluwer. Dylan um, Jones, he played in a band, right? In the Purple Passions. Of- no, he's a member of Parasite. We've nicked Oh, him. sorry. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the group was uh, set up and formed and the idea was to carry out uh, paranormal investigations and actually research and build up a portfolio of uh, research over the years and as a group we were very fortunate that for 12 of those years we had access to a um, 14th century fortified manor house that we sort of carried out lots of investigations in and we've uh, collated lots and lots of data over the years where we've been able to correlate um, lots of our records um, and um, basically we can't actually fully say yes the building is haunted but the building is quite haunted. (laughs) Um, So we also carry out private investigations Um, So we're very privileged that uh, people contact us um, with different reports that are happening in the house. We've got a very strong code of conduct that was uh, written um, by a gentleman called Graham White, and he developed what we call our PIP. Um, So we adhere to that very much so when we uh, attend these properties and people actually allow us into their homes to carry out investigations. We are a membership group. Um, So we have different levels of membership. We have associate members. Um, We're currently on a membership base of 103 members. the associate members can also then take part in a training day. So every year, SWPR, we run an in-house training day, um, which is based around um, learning our uh, protocol, um, all different methods that we use, and also then some hands-on investigating, etc., and to see how they are. And they also have to perform um, and complete and then an online test um, and they become what we call in SWPR as a TPI which is a trained paranormal investigator um, once they become a TPI they can then work on our events and they can be invited 
to carry out investigations on private properties. Uh, but you you don't have access to those unless you are a TPI because of the strict protocol that we actually run. Um, so that's, you know, in a nutshell, that's us. We're very fortunate that we've got a number of patrons, including Steve. Uh, we've got Lionel and Patricia Fanfork, which many of you may have heard of, um, and Lloyd Arabak. I do struggle to pronounce that, so apologies to anybody if I've uh, pronounced that. You know Lloyd listens to the show. He's a big fan of the show, so... Um, Is he? You, yeah, uh, so you better get the name well, right. We're, we're very privileged, and we've had Lloyd on as a patron since 2005. Um, so we've he's actually been with us from near the start. Has uh, he sent you any chocolates over yet? He hasn't sent us chocolates. Miserable. Us, um, Lloyd, if you're listening... Lloyd, if you're listening, SWPR, you're their patron, send them some chocolate. Yes, we're very grateful for chocolate, any chocolate. We have had a lovely signed photograph that he sent over, and he has sent us, um, uh, he did a recording for us for one of our AGMs, uh, which we listened to, and each one of us had a copy of, so that was absolutely superb as well. Uh, Chocolate is always accepted. Yeah, come on, Lloyd, get the chocolate in the post. Um, so, Ron, Ron, I was just going to flip it back to Ron there. Uh, oh, I, what did I do? Well, I was going to. I was going to. This I'm idea. Of, I was going to ask you actually. This idea of patronship is it something that American groups do? Because I'm yeah, we not have aware saints, of... and of course we each all have our uh, spirit guide. So yeah, we're all set. Okay. All right, Sarah, back to you. (laughs) (laughs) You do also do... uh, Now, I know in my local supermarket quite recently, uh, one of the publications that SWPR worked on for charity was available for sale. So you've actually done... You you support several charities as well, don't you? We do, we do. Uh, One of our big charities that we've supported over the years is the Cystric Fibrosis Trust. Um... SWPR as a group have actually written uh, five books. So we've produced five books. Um, Now, one has been an omnibus edition of three of the original books, which I believe we gave you a copy of, Steve, last year. So I hope you've read it all. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, unlike my co-host, I actually do read. Brilliant. That's good news. Um, so, yeah, the, um, the the books that we've written are actually stories um, of reports of they've either been members of SWPR or people we've spoken to, but reports of um, different sightings of ghosts throughout South Wales. So there's a book um, that is uh, The Haunting of Cardiff. We've got Newport in the Valleys and Swansea and beyond. Um, the last book that Steve is actually referring to was a quite a small, quaint book, and it's Welsh Celebrity Ghost Stories. Um, and the book is based... They're all people who are famous in Wales. Um, Connie Fisher being one you may have heard of or you may not. Um, but they're all stories of exp- personal experiences that they have had 
and um, some of them are, you know, experiences where they've had them in England or Scotland, uh, but that's in there. And this little book, all the profits from that actually went um, to charity, to the Cystic Fibrosis book, and we're actually pleased to say that so far this little book has raised £800 for the charity, so uh, which is absolutely superb. So anybody that sees it, please, please pick up a copy. It's a nice little read. Yeah, if you're in the UK, it is, um, it's certainly available in many of the Welsh Tesco stores. Um, yes. So, uh, yeah, Welsh celebrities. <laughs> yeah, there's a few. Uh, Richard Burton. <laughs> Richard Burton? It did take us quite a long time to actually produce this in trying to track down Welsh Well, I was going to say, did anybody... What you should have done is got hold of a medium and then you could have got Richard Burton, Dylan Thomas. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure they have their stories as well. Yeah, yeah. It it did take us quite a few years to produce. It was quite difficult. Uh, We didn't manage to get Tom Jones. So if Tom Jones listens, please... Yeah, another big fan of the show. Uh, Tom, if you're listening, um, yeah, get into the life. Yeah. Sorry? Yeah. Ron's always asking me about Welsh cases and Welsh locations, and I know a lot of the American listeners are fascinated by uh, the castles that we have over here in Wales. Although I'm English, but, you know, I live, you know, sort of an honorary Welshman now, I guess, because I can do the accent. Um, Yeah. Castle ghosts, what do you think? I mean, are we just spoilt for castles here in Wales? Um, oh, wow, we are so lucky, aren't we, Steve? Let's we be are fair. We have, we have got some stunning castles. So which is your favourite castle and castle ghost story? Um, well, I would say possibly my favourite castle that I've been to, I would have to say, is Carnarvon Castle. Um up in North Wales. Um, I haven't actually heard of a ghost story from Carnarvon Castle, unfortunately. Well, the top of your head, two. Two, yeah. two ghosts from um, There is the uh, Radiant Boy. Now, that's u- normally uniquely Scottish, but Carnarvon has one as well. Um, although, But the most commonly reported ghost of Carnarvon uh, is... Um, if I remember rightly, is the figure of a soldier described in Tudor period uniform, standing or sort of wandering aimlessly round the battle, uh, round the battlements. But I think if you Google Carnarvon, I think there's actually, uh, it's like, isn't it just the case, Sarah, that in recent years every location, like down here at Carew, um, you know, the more people that go go and check it out, the more ghosts the place gets. Yes, so that's, right, may, that's maybe, right. Maybe Carnarvon's got a few more now since since I last checked in on it. But it, yeah. Carnarvon is um, for for, for um, people who may be on the other side of the Atlantic don't realise it was the place where famously Prince Charles was invested as the Prince of Wales in eighteen whatever it was. Um, before he met Diana, anyway. Um, <laughs> And it was was actually the, the principal castle of, uh, built by Edward I in the 13th century, to, uh, 12th century, uh, as part of the controlling network when the English um, subjugated... Subjugated, is that the right word? Um, anointed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, anoint, yeah subjugated Wales uh, as part of the United Kingdom. So, uh, yeah. 
you yeah, mentioned and it was that. actually never actually yeah. finished, I believe, as a castle as well. Um, that was the case with Bomaris opposite. I don't know. I'm not sure about Carnarvon. Yeah. It was certainly, it was certainly recaptured by the Welsh on a couple of occasions. I had, I had a question about castles and stuff because I I saw this thing about this. I think it was probably Henry VIII. Yeah, it was Henry VIII. It's, he had given permission for this guy to build a, a stately manor, and he started building uh, pretty much a castle, a fortified manor. And then when the king found out that it was a fortified manor, he had him beheaded. Is that something that commonly went on and that it was never finished, or is, is that just a lonely case? It's, 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 close. it's not at Wales. It's very close to Wales, up towards Bath in that way. Yeah, in, ter- in terms of uh, unfinished, all of it, uh, Edward I, who, who set out to, to subjugate Wales as part of the uh, uh, sort of United Kingdom of England and Wales... Um, and, and almost by deception and stealth created what we call the Prince, who you would know as the Prince of Wales, that t- as a title. Um, he he completed what was a ring of fortifications, starting off um, at Rithin, that moves round to uh, Conwy, Carnarvon, right? yeah, um, yeah, yeah, Bomaris. The only one that was never completed, as far as I'm aware, is Bomaris, which is on the Isle of Anglesey. Uh, which was the most advanced and the last built of all of the castles. It had the, vo- uh, the most complex um, defence mechanisms that were built into it. But that was the one that was never finished, never completed, as I understand yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, you are correct, actually. Beaumaris definitely wasn't a finished castle. Yeah. Carnarfon was, was the, the, the jewel in the crown uh, because it could be supplied by sea, and it was the hub of the network for controlling the Welsh um, so yeah, the, I mean, the, the, lots of castles. We think of castles in terms of uh, an English mechanism for subjugating the Welsh. That actually isn't true because uh, whilst the castles were used, the Welsh also had very many castles down here exactly. in West Wales. Yes. We have a, a lot of a lot of castles that that predate Edward I and the 13th century. So before that, you have the Norman system of castles, and even before that, you have the Welsh uh, kingdom castles. Mm. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're just... You, know, you look out the window here in daylight, and you know, there's 13 of them that you can see, uh, and 37 within a 10-mile radius of here. And mm. you know, that's pretty much the same throughout you know, the majority of Wales. Yeah, and of course, then you've got um, the more sort of modern-day castles, such as Margam, um, which was around the 1800s, wasn't it? That Margam Castle. That's right. Uh, Although I, I, it does, yeah. So I, I, relatively, I, relatively modern. Yeah, um, you know, rich industrialists. Uh, well. Uh, would would recreate this Victorian Gothic, this this idea of a castle, you know, Castel Koch, uh, the Red Castle just outside Cardiff, Margam. Yeah. Uh, although Margam, I think, was actually built on a much earlier foundation. Um, the, the, the foundations of Margam certainly predate. In fact, the site goes back to the Bronze Age, um, and the Abbey goes way way back to pre-Norman days. Yeah. But yeah. The, but the the present building, the, this fantastic structure that they have. Sort of halfway between me and Sarah, uh, in a, in a, the, the the town of Port Talbot, um, was built by a rich industrialist family, the the, the Talbot family, uh, um, in in order to 
show off the wealth. It was a country seat. It was a residence. But it was built very much like uh, running New England. Uh, he took me uh, on one of my first visits over there to Hammond Castle, again built by a rich industrialist in the style mm. of the the sort of idealistic Gothic castle uh, manor. So. Yeah. But Margaret's yeah. on a scale. It's it's like going on to the set of The Haunting, isn't it, Sarah? Yes. Oh, it's, it is absolutely stunning, isn't it? Let's be honest. If you stand um, out in the deer park and look out to the to the sort of the well, the side of the castle, it is effectively. I mean, it, it is beautiful. I mean, it must have cost a lot of money when it was purchased. The detail is very gothic looking. Um, sadly, it did um, have a fire, um, so some parts inside were damaged, and it's owned currently by a local council, and they are trying to invest into it, and um, they've been filming over the last few years The Da Vinci's Demons. Uh, I remember it well. <laughs> yes, so... Um, we we so went there one... Uh, we were there for uh, three days and nights with a Japanese film crew, and the idea was to look at some of the previous investigation reports and the evidence that they had turned up. Um, when we got there, of course, first of all, there was Doctor Who's TARDIS on the front lawn because Margam is, is uh, often used yes. as a filming location for Doctor yeah. Who. Um, but when we went inside, we didn't recognise it. We walked into a building that, you know, I'd been to many, many times. People remember it, of course, from Most Haunted, mm. uh, Series 8. And um, we walked in and we just went straight back into the 14th century Renaissance Italy. <laughs> Um, until one of the team leaned on a pillar, leant on a pillar, uh, which promptly fell over because the whole thing, however authentic looking it was, was made of polystyrene. Um, but tremendous, tremendous location. It ha- it's it's centred, and the the, the main uh, aspect of the haunting is centred on a staircase. Yes. Um, yeah. And that staircase, in fact, the whole building is just straight out of the set of the of the movie A Haunting. I, I, I know SWPR have been along there um, individually and and um, and also as a group. Did you find anything particularly intriguing at Margam? Um, well, I had... The, the team have been to Margam for quite a number of times, so I know a number of uh, the team members have had personal experiences and... Um, some of those are actually documented in, in the book. Um, when I went to Margam, I've been to Margam now a couple of times. I've been with a group and I've been um, with a, a couple of us went with another group, actually. And um, it's, the building never really fails to deliver in as much as the atmosphere of the building. But there was one time we were with Esther. Well, we're actually going to have to hear that after we come back from the break because we've got to take a break right now. So, okay. Hold on. And Sarah Lee will. Hold that thought. <laughs> okay. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll reveal what she uh, ran into at the old castle. So we'll be right back. You'll listen to Ghost Chronicles uh, International, Steve Boss and Ron Kolick. We'll be right back uh, the following messages, I guess.
Monday mornings just got scarier. Tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for another episode of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition with New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and his inquisitive travel companion, Lou Blassie, the professor. Hey, that's me. Each week we'll delve into the realm of the supernatural where all that is is not what it appears to be. With remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased, we'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk gooky, the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous. As we give the awards to the Parrax family. Hi, I'm Ron Kolick from the New England Ghost Project. And I'm Gail Lax from Winslow Studio Yoga and Healing. And we'd like to invite you to a very special event that we're running March 18th through the 20th. At the historic Daniel Inn in Brunswick, Maine. This is a weekend retreat, Gail, right? It is. It's going to be fantastic. And it's going to be all about ghost hunting. And connecting with spirit. Ooh, that sounds fun. And we're going to try new things that have never been done before. And we'll be investigating one of the most historic houses in Brunswick. And your weekend will include some great workshops and energy, all of our paranormal investigations, some wonderful food, and a group mediumship reading as well. And a red light seance too, right? Yes. And you never know who will come through in a red light seance. You never know. And uh, if people were interested in getting tickets for this, how could they do that, Gail? Oh, they can go to our website at www.winsoulstudio.com and go to our events page, and you can put your deposit down. And reserve your space for this amazing retreat. So don't delay on this rare opportunity to spend a weekend with Gail and me as we go in search Search of of spirit. spirit. With me in Ireland. It's cheaper as well, probably. Yeah. Anyway, we'll, well... no, it doesn't. Are you going to say the Irish? I want to call Michael Benson and get him on the call in a minute. And you yeah, can but tell him yours, the ours is included in the weekend. It's first class, so on that. Is that the did um, is that the event you were just bitching about before we went on air about having to write a presentation for? No, that was the other one. Oh, you're always pissing the mood. 
Yeah. yeah. Right, same thing. I don't like to look Cardiff's up. Cardiff's team is the Bluebirds. Oh, okay. In answer to your question, you've posted in Toggy Chat. Um, when, wait, welcome back to Two Ghost Chronicles International. Uh, we're, we're very much in the land of the Red Dragon. Um, in fact, we're up the valley of the Red Dragon's Valley tonight with South Wales Paranormal Research, um, a group whom I believed I was patron of till I checked the website. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to forgive us for that, Steve. Are you? Been Twelve months. So what's the big deal about being a patron? I've no idea. It means that they get to. The, they means that last year. Um, Attach your name to something. Is that no, I went is? to the AGM last year and I yeah. did a talk. And this year to get it for free. Well, <laughs> in I think it was a very crafty move because I know you have a guest speaker, not another guest speaker, but you, you can't just turn up, eat the lasagna, and not do so. Something when you're a patron. I mean, you know, Lloyd, if you're listening, I'm going to do a talk. You could at least send some chocolate. Anyway, um, welcome again back to Sarah, who is uh, one of the team. Have you team tried Sally's uh, No. Okay. I wouldn't wish for unless you <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, you know he's what you wish for. That's all. You know he's listening. Yeah, well, I'm you? just telling you, you know, I mean, unless he wants you to know, prove me wrong, but uh, I'm just you know, telling you. I mean, you know, we have, you know, we, we have famous people listening to this show. Uh, Dr. Cal Cooper. Who? Cal? Oh. Well, Professor Cal Cooper. He's when he's whatever listening he's... to the show, though, Steve. I have no idea. That's a scary <laughs> thought. He's it? drinking, actually. He's too busy. He's too busy trying to sell copies of phone calls from the dead. <laughs> Which you can get if you come to one of my events because we give them away all the time. <laughs> it's not why you get through so many copies. I still got loads of them left. You notice oh. nobody get. I don't give away copies of Ghostology. Um, anyway, um, we took Sarah about Margum, was just about which to tell is... us about her her experience. Remember? I, yes. That's what I was coming. Into. You just interrupted me when I was just doing exactly. Oh, this is what you just did, Sarah. Would you like to tell us about your experience in Malcolm? Yeah, well, we, had, we were, it was actually with SWPR, and um, we were running a members event um, down at Malcolm Castle, and um, when we were, when we're giving feedback to the members at the end of the evening from the different groups that um, have reported anything or what has happened, then some people go when they start um, de-setting up, so they're packing away all the kit that we've had out during the night. Um, so on this one occasion, we'd had quite an interesting night, as it was, um, in Margam. One of the ladies had um, reported to seeing a black apparition um, in the downstairs room. Um, so, was, you know, there was sort of a little bit of tension and um, hairs being raised throughout the evening in Margam, and as I say, it's very atmospheric building. And I was actually clearing away. Um, I was in the, the rooms downstairs, and I had on me an EVP recorder. And I sort of popped it in somewhere where I won't explain as to where, but it was in somewhere a little bit discreet. And didn't realise that. No, 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 no. You're not getting away with that. You are going to have to tell everybody now where you popped the recorder. Well, it was 
in my Go on, bra. go on. There you go. Okay, kept it safe, popped it in there. Don't even ask me why I popped it in there. I couldn't tell you. No, I wasn't going to ask you there. why. I just wanted to know where. <laughs> uh, Didn't realise at the time I was sort of starting to pack away. I was in this room packing up the kit by myself. Um, felt a little bit strange. And again, you know, this could be psychological. It was the room that the reported apparition had been in with this black um, figure. Um, packing away, and it was still dark. So I was packing quite quickly and what have you, and uh, finished that, got out of the room as quick as I could. Uh, went back in then to um, listen to the rest of the feedback. And then it was a couple of nights later, and I thought, oh, right, okay. Um, Sunday night, let's listen back to my recording. So sat downstairs, earphones in. And I was listening, and I was thinking, oh, okay, nothing there, nothing there. And then I got to the end, and I thought, oh, what what part of this, uh, part of the evening, has this been recorded? So I sort of figured by the noises that were of me packing stuff away, it was actually, I had the recorder on, um, which I realised later, and I was in this room. And you can hear me on the tape packing away, and then all of a sudden you can hear this sort of growling noise, and that's the only way I can describe it, is is, um, similar to a growl over this recorder, to the point that when I listened to it the first time, I actually sort of shuddered. And my husband said, what, what's the matter? And I said, oh, nothing, because he just doesn't um, believe in anything at all. Um, he's never experienced anything. So he's very sceptical. Uh, Sounds exactly like Ron. Yeah, very, yeah. very sceptical. So he was like, oh, OK. So I thought, right, I'm going to send... So I cut this clip down and I sent it to uh, one of the team. Um, and I said, just do me a favour, listen to this and tell me what you think you can hear or if you can hear anything, etc., etc." So I emailed it over to her and um, she emailed me back. It was about 20 minutes later. And... She said, I don't know what I've heard, but she said, I've got to be honest with you. She said, it made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. What room were you in at the time? So I explained to her, you know, what I'd left the recorder on by accident, etc., etc. And it was actually in this room um, with the shadow. Now, I felt uneasy when I was in there. Um, so we sent it then. Um, Leanne had listened to it. And so we sent it over to Mark. Now, Mark is our chairman, and he um, is our expert evp Um So he then uh, analysed this recording. Um, we can't, obviously, we can't say what it is because it wasn't controlled. You know, it was in a place that probably wasn't the best place to put a recorder, but this recording is so eerie... Um, that when I go back there now, I sort of think, oh, I wonder if there was something in this room with me. You just you just never know. It's one of those things that I'm just never, ever going to know. It's one of those unexplained um, parts. But it's quite interesting that, you know, we spend hours in these buildings 
um, trying to obtain evidence. We're trying to um, call on spirits effectively to communicate with us. And it just goes to show that when you potentially least expect anything to happen is the time that you could possibly be picking something up. Um, so I'm sort of a bit of a firm believer that, you know, you should give yourself time to sit and relax and absorb something after you've spent your hours trying to get any um, form of communication or any evidence, um, whether it's on a... a EVP recorder, whether it's um, on your equipment, whether it's you using more traditional methods, um, etc. Whether you know you're using your thermal imaging device, your cameras. Uh, sometimes you should just be not trying to look for something, and you can get something. The problem is then that my record it wasn't um, in a controlled environment, so we can never ever sort of say that anything is is on there because of that method so but that's my experience in Margam um, and I've been back there a couple of times and it's you know you walk around in the dark uh, so it, it has got that atmosphere to it um, but I would say to anybody to actually go if they can and, and just absorb the atmosphere of the building because it is a stunning building at the end of the day um, so it's definitely worth going. I think you'd agree there, Steve, wouldn't you? It is just a lovely atmospheric building. Uh, it's certainly a building that has a presence. There's no doubt about yes. that. And it's a building that, that has a... a it, it always presents a number of questions. You know, I've been on many, many occasions now with mm -hmm. uh, privately and with, with media crews. And it's one that... It, it's a challenging location because it's an unusual size. It's a very, very big yeah. location um, with the... the you've got... In, Side and outside aspects to, to the reports that people present. You've got a very large industrial complex very nearby. You've got um, the yeah. big Port Talbot Steelworks. Uh, so that does, you know, create its own sound effects. Um, yeah, and, and sound does sort of um, transmit around the building very easy, doesn't it, Steve? It certainly it gets into some people's brassiers as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've got to take issue with what you said, though. I mean, as reg regards a controlled location, I can't think of a better controlled location to put a sound recorder. Um, <laughs> I mean, nobody's going to mess with that one, are they? Um, <laughs> but but Margam, you know, I mean, right from the off, I mean, my first visit to Margam was uh, way, way back 2000 and six i think with, with most haunted yeah. and it it was cha i mean we, we were dealing with 70 mile an hour winds that night um but it was challenging from the off because uh, there were a number of things that took place that i know the obvious pointy finger because it was most haunted but there were a number of things that took place when they weren't around that certainly piqued my interest um the sound of footsteps doors and movement yeah. that i wasn't immediately able to explain now i know that margam over uh, because it's because it's been on television has been grown in popularity and is now visited almost every week by investors oh yeah it is yeah uh, um i mean you know i thank god that it's, a, that it's a publicly owned building which has stopped the price going through the ceiling mm. uh compared to other locations but it's a building nonetheless that if you can clear your way through the chaff of uh <laughs> its popularity still does pose a number of questions. Questions, 
some of them some of them we can offer answers for because you know, we've had the the uh, the um good fortune to be able to spend a considerable amount of time there um and and give us the opportunity to look in depth at some of people's experiences and, and to compare them to um, readings and data and, and offer forward plausible, reasonable explanations. Others remain completely open yeah. Um, yeah. and challenging, deeply challenging. Uh, one, one example that I, I've quoted before with Margam is that, and this took place whilst, whilst we were filming Most Haunted, uh, that there was a gr- I was downstairs on the ground floor, um, and there was a lot of noise and movement from the first floor, from the upper floor. Uh, and I believe that members of the Most Haunted crew were actually setting up the location for sequences later, the table tipping and all the other stuff yeah. that they get up to on that programme. And I actually recorded the amount of noise that they were making because they were making that much of a racket, um, banging and dragging things around. Then I thought wiser of it because, you know, you can be a bit temperamental, these media types. Mm. So I, del- I deleted the recording, went back to the crew room um, to discover that they had all been there all along and I had been the only person in the main castle building. Uh, so I'm completely unable to explain just who was upstairs making yeah. all the noise at the time. But it was absolutely real and my, to my eternal regret I, I i'd already deleted the recording um which would have been you know a fascinating thing to have had although you you still come down to that that basic problem which it was my word you know my recording i could have made it days weeks months earlier um and that, pardon give me a break what do you mean give you a break Oh, I could have made it. Well, you know you didn't make it. So I know. I am 100% certain of what's Exactly. So why, yeah. why do you care what I, other people think? Tell I don't. Stuff it. I, I don't. But in terms of it, uh, when you're an investigator, Ron, people come along yep. and, uh, and they present you with, with their evidence. And you have to review it in the light of what they're telling you. Now, they right. know that they were there. They know that they had their experience. And if they don't like it, they, they know the drinking problem. So there you go. Yeah, well, I have got a drinking problem. Um, so I'm, but I, I'm always considering how how does the evidence stack up if I presented it to myself um, as a, a, and, and it just doesn't. You know, a lot of it just doesn't because it's a very personal thing when you're investigating. Well, that's you know, the problem. You actually taint it if yeah, you don't if you don't present it the way you've experienced it. Well, it's, it is. You're absolutely. You're dead right, but. Unfortunately, as Sarah said, and the yeah. experience as I've experienced, often the experience is when you are on your own, mm-hmm. um, and you know that the evidence, the quality of the evidence that you have, have obtained, is impeccable, and that you know that you have not broken any protocols and that you weren't fooled. But nonetheless, if you if you were to present that to yourself, mm-hmm. you know that you would be able to criticise it. Mm-hmm. And that's actually, but, but that's, the, yeah, but that's you know we we go too much overboard. I mean, look, do you remember? Oh God, I, I can't remember the the name of it. But there was a, a French scientist who discovered these stupid rays, and and he was a very distinguished scientist. And then they uh, 
they had all the scientists come in and, and they repeated this experiment. And they found these waves and the damn things didn't exist because they were afraid of hurting other people's feelings and they were afraid that it wouldn't stand up. And, and that's, you know, they were distinguished people and, and they, they were wrong. But that's the way it is. Do you remember that? I, I know exactly. Yeah, um, I, I can't, can't think of the name of them, though. No, I can't either. But you have to. Uh, I think if you stop thinking of it in those terms, sometimes you have to try uh, at all costs on all investigations to obtain the best quality evidence that you can yeah, in order that true. you can Absolutely. overcome. In order that you can overcome those problems that you have identified, right. and it's it's a it's for me it's very much the mark of a competent investigator. Mm-hmm. When I mm-hmm. see I have got this recording, and here are the problems that I have already identified with it, i.e., as Sarah did, it was uncontrolled. You know that's a sign of a competent investigator. Right, they but and the other thing too, recognize the problems, they, they accept the information. So, so if you go and you say, okay, uh, I heard this, this, this noise, but it might have been uh, furniture moving across the floor, but you have no proof that your, no. your, your solution is any, probably has less doubt, I mean, less uh, validity than your experience. Yeah, but what what I'm looking for when when people present stuff uh, for review is are they aware of all of the potentials and have they done something at least to address the problem? I mean, tonight on BBC One, um, or the Welsh BBC One, so Sarah will be able to watch it at 10.40 tonight, there is another Welsh paranormal team um, who have gone out with a celebrity to take him ghost hunting. Now, on the trailer I saw earlier today, now, you all know about the Maglite experiment and how very easily that's performed. Mm-hmm. This team have taken this that's to right. the... Yeah, this team on the trailer had two Maglites on a tripod side by side. I nearly... It's and like, did they both work? Uh, they were making them flash and then, you know... Oh, it's, so exciting. I know, but you see, that's the difference. You've got the same country, same... I'm, I'm sure the other team, who I'm not going to name tonight... Um, I've been to many of the locations that Sarah's team have yes. been to, yeah. but I bet you. But I know that their results are very much different. Yeah, because they so, they lack that. They seem to lack that essential self questioning. So do you think? Do you think it, it's it's just that they they want to find evidence so badly that that they'll accept whatever? Personally, I think. Yeah. You know, and I yeah. don't mean just team, but I mean. No, I, th- I think that's. General. I think. I think I would point that finger at many investigators that they. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That yeah. They blindly, you know, they that hope overcomes the reality of the experience, yeah. and 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 becomes the reality of the experience. Any noise on the on the recorder, any anomaly on the picture, they're not looking for what caused the anomaly, what caused the noise. It is immediately paranormal. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's quite evident, isn't it, at how quick many um, groups post out immediately photographs, videos, uh, very shortly after investigating um, a building. Um, it, you know, we hold uh, members' events. Um, so after our AGM, we at Caldicott Castle, we will be holding a members' event. Um, now, we have sort of devised a plan in the different areas of Caldicott Castle where we can minimise as much noise disruption as possible for the teams that we've split up. Um, but 
yeah, and we're able to do that quite well in Caldicott because you've got three key areas of Caldicott Castle which are quite separate, you know, and you've got the big grass area in the middle which is separating them. But if there were, you know, on our members' events, we've got sort of 20 people and you're potentially in a building... It's very difficult then, even though we, um, on a members event, we use a, a, a mix of a scientific methods and obviously traditional methods. Um, it's very difficult when you've got 20 people in a building to have that as a controlled experiment, uh, because obviously you've got 20 different people uh, in there. Noise obviously is travelling, but... You know, ultimately, when we do the members' events, you can't take away somebody's personal experience as well. If they truly believe something has happened to them on um, when they're in a, a building or... You know, I've had personal experiences have happened to me, but I have um, constantly questioned. There was one key experience that happened to me um, a few years ago when I was actually with SWPR working at the Manor House... And to this day, even though there were two of us together and we both simultaneously almost experienced exactly the same thing, um, the two of us to this day are constantly questioning as to, we couldn't have experienced that. There's got to be a rational explanation as to what happened You know, Sarah, that's that's an established syndrome, that the father, when you get away from it, a uh, incident, the more your brain starts to put logic to it, and yes. even it yeah. actually, if you look at eyewitness te- testimony, for instance, the farther you get away from the event, the worse it is, mm. and and that's because we add things. We you know we, our brain wants to make it as logical. But I I know we're running out of time. We did have a question from Ghost Girl in the chat room, and I, I got to ask it, and that is, do you use mediums on your team? And if not, why not? Um, we don't use mediums uh, because we are a scientific group. Um, so uh, I've touched on... I don't understand that. Wait a minute. You said you don't use mediums, but you're a scientific group. I, yeah, I don't understand that. I mean, why can't you use a medium and, and whatever they give you, either verify it or... And uh, see how a medium works and, and try to analyze what's going on and just rather than just not yeah, use it. Yeah, I, I, completely, I completely get that. And um, I think what we, what we try and do is when we are um, going out to do a private investigation, if we're going into someone's home, mm-hmm. um, we tend to use the traditional scientific methods when we're going okay. into a property. Okay. And try and gather evidence, um, and you know, trying to debunk possible things that are happening um, that are normal. When we do our members' events, we have in the past um, had a medium come on, and on our event that we're actually doing, that Steve is coming to the AGM in Caldicott, we're actually having a medium as a guest speaker. Oh, um, interesting. Our- okay. Yeah, our members have actually said, look, you know, it would be really nice to get a different viewpoint. 
Exactly, um, exactly. Very good. Sarah, so, I hate to tell you this, but that's the bell, uh, the doorbell, which means pizza from the dead sea, and we've got to end the show. So okay. uh, we want to thank you for coming on. And uh, once again, can you give uh, your information out again? And, and if somebody wanted to contact you, how could they do that? You or yeah, your team? They can, uh, we're South Wales Paranormal Research. Our website is uh, www.swpr.co.uk. Um, and there are emails on there, but people can email us on inquiries, um, SWPR inquiries at hotmail.com. Um, and we welcome anything. And, you know, all our contact details are also on the website. We've got a Facebook page, South Wales Paranormal Research. And we've got a Twitter account as well, which is SWPR Paranormal. If you uh, do, you do public events, and if you don't do public events, how can people become members of your team? Okay, or, or we, we don't do public events. We are looking at uh, later this year. We're actually in the process of organising a taster event for non-members to come along. Um, and uh, but if somebody wishes to become a member then all the details are on the website swpr.co.uk on how to become a member we've also got a forum which people can register to um, access our forum as well um, but yeah please you know um, and any questions anybody has for us please just you know drop us a line and we're happy to answer whether that's on email or Facebook or, or over Twitter all right, thank you so much for being on the show, and I hear the heartbeats, which means we're on our way out. So, uh, Steve, anything you want to say? No, I'm looking forward to meeting Sarah again in about four or five weeks' time, um, providing I survive the Ghost Club stuff, which we've got to do in March. <laughs> you want, That's great. Thank you want me to do that presentation for, for you, Steve? On. Yeah, you can do it for me, Ron. Yeah, I'll, do, I'll be happy to do it for you. Thank you, Sarah. I'll see thank you, Steve. you in, in April. April the 9th. Yeah, for lasagna, isn't it? Yeah, lasagna. Welsh yeah, cow followed by lasagna and a selection of cakes. Oh, there you go. There you go. That's, 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 that's cake sorted, and there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you, Ron. <laughs> Thanks for your time. Yeah. And thank Bye you, now. Steve. Have a great day. Thanks, Thank Sarah. You. See you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Deliver us, good Lord.